Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's episode, Bruno Reagan and Seabass will join me as we will talk spring practice and a little bit of hoops. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, this will be old news probably by the time you hear it. Vanderbilt and Missouri are scheduled to play a baseball game on Thursday night, weather permitting. Vanderbilt's last game before that was an 11-3 win over Lipscomb at Hawkins Field this week. Vanderbilt gets home runs from Isaiah Thomas and Parker Noland in that one. Got a special on the show today, Bruno Reagan and Seabass join us today as we do a three-way podcast. We will dissect 15 minutes of football practice like you've never heard it dissected before, gentlemen. Bruno, I told you when you went to practice, I said, just write anything and everything you see because there's an appetite forward I don't think you totally believe me but I think you do now yeah for sure I mean I got you you expect you said most of your practice reports would be around like you know a thousand twelve hundred words you know I got mine up to 16 600 from uh just 15 minutes I was writing down literally everything I could everything that seemed notable notable and there was obviously still some stuff I probably left out but not a lot of time to work with um but I guess that's the times we live in now with with our whole deal although Saturday we will have the full media time for the scrimmage, which is probably the most important deal. Yeah, and look, we didn't get scrimmage access the last couple of years, so that's <laughs> that's a nice really? break. No, oh no, we didn't. That. We didn't. We didn't. I I had, you know, people who would tell me what went on, but um yeah. no, it was um it was trying to shuffle through the desert the last few years. <laughs> And it's pretty. It was pretty tough there the, the time I was there too. I mean, because they don't have numbers, so I was like, and I was on that little perch or whatever overlooking Magugan. So it was a little tougher to like try and see everything that go was going on. I'll tell you what, it was easy to see. It was easy to see that the running back depth was super low. I mean, there were four guys out there practicing, which was crazy for me to see. And then I look at the wide receivers, and there's six of them, and one's in a red jersey. So I'm like, oh gosh, like they're still, you know, they're still down in those numbers department. So probably going to see some true freshman play in those positions this year. Maybe not running back, but definitely a receiver. You'll see some skill positions come in. And then there was obviously the O-line, which was absolutely crowded. I've never seen that many fat guys like in white jerseys around like that. So that's at least a decent sign, but. Seabass, what's up, my man? Oh man. Uh, you know, you, first of all, and uh, I've, I've got a bunch of, I've got a bunch of questions uh, if I can. And I, with the understanding that he was there for 900 seconds, as far as that goes, <laughs> so, I, I, I get it. Uh, but just, I, I, you know, and if the answer is I have no idea, then that's what it is. But a couple of things, you, you, you did say something about young players and we have an exorbitant amount of, uh, what, I guess three times uh, what we normally have in regards to early enrollees and whatnot. Uh, have you seen anything? Have you heard whispers? Anybody talk about, man, this guy, you know, is this, this guy's that. I mean, I know it's very early on in the game, but sometimes some of these young cats can make a very early impression in the game. Any talk about any of them? So not yet, 
specifically because that was their first practice in pads. And for the time I got to see, we didn't even get the team periods. And when the, the plays they were running, it was things like inside zone. It was some normal boot stuff you would see some from the quarterback. There was not a lot of options for people to show their skill set yet. They're still doing things like installing the basics, and that's the majority of their practice. But Saturday, when we get into this scrimmage, I think that's where you'll see people will be able to you know, start talking about who they're excited about or who they want to play with. And that stuff always does get out eventually. Yeah. And I, you know, one of those cats and I saw, because first of all, I'll just say this. I do like, I, I do like the fact that they're doing some filming on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot oh, yeah. and giving people the opportunity to see things like that. I did know, uh, notice Castillo at left tackle and what a piece that kid big. Yeah. <laughs> that kid does not look like he was in high school a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, and let me yeah. tell you that, that that frame and stuff like that, like that stuff that can't be coached on the offensive line. I mean, that stuff to get that stuff that'll get you excited about an offensive line coach. I'll, I'm excited to see these guys play on on Saturday because that's where you know, that's where you can see. I can see things like his effort because obviously he's a young cat, right? But you just want to see things out of these guys like effort. How, can they be coached? So when they do one one series and you know maybe something goes wrong because they're still young, you know how do they respond? Those that's those are the things I'm going to be looking for and that I can give give some insight into. But you can't coach frame, you can't coach size, and that's stuff you you want. You know, and it's interesting, uh, uh, you know, because you're right, you can't coach that. But what's interesting about, it, uh, you know, being new and taking that first leap on the on, on the next level, because I mean, come on, Bruno, when you were at Clarksville High, the truth is, every now and then you'd line up against somebody who might play on Saturday. And it, and it probably wasn't in the SCC, uh, maybe sometimes every now and then, but not everybody, even though they played was not a player in the sense that they're they're on level but when you step up like this everyone is you know oh, there's, yeah. there's nothing particularly special about you so it's interesting because you know when you you want to make such a great impression early on on your new teammates and your, and your new coaches and all this other stuff but it's like because I, I look at it and i think to myself well if you're not geeked up and excited to go now when in the world would you be but how do you how do you how do you mix it in there with also uh, being able to control the nerves? Absolutely. The you want to show them everything you've got, but then you've got the nerves as well, right? At least I did. Oh, I can speak to this 100% because I had the – I came from Clarksville, which was not – it's not a football hotbed at all. You know, I played against probably two really good college players, Jalen Reeves-Maven, but he was a skill guy. So I know it's not like I ever was, like, dominated by, like, that or anything. But I also played against Andrew Jelks. I was a D lineman, and Andrew Jelks was offensive lineman for Henry County. And Andrew Jelks just absolutely destroyed me in the game I played against him. So – and that was my sophomore year and I was still very raw. But by the time I got to my senior year and I was just killing everybody and they were small, I was like, dang, Andrew was like the only real good football player I ever played against. And he just absolutely wiped the floor with me. So by the time I got to Vanderbilt and then it's everybody's a bunch of Andrew Jelkses, I was like, oh my gosh. But it's, it's kind of like where that thing you can like in your head, the stakes are so high that it takes you to that next level. Right. And some guys react differently. We see, we see guys all the time who come in with hype and they fold to it maybe the pressure's too high and they don't perform like they want to as a freshman, which is a lot to expect. Like these guys are 18 years old. They're not even like, like they still have so much development to do just from a natural standpoint. So I just want to see these guys have effort. If you, and that's the coach's job. 100%. You got to, you have to tailor to these kids sometimes when they're at their youngest and just keep them on the path to where they're grinding. Find whatever makes them tick. Keep them moving forward, and it'll all play out for itself. If if a guy like me can turn out to be a decent player, the, these cats, these should be going to the NFL. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I, I think you sell yourself a little bit short, but I understand because no, uh, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, man. When my and you can ask Cole Clements because he's still there after all these years. I would pop on my yeah. film. I, we would like we would all be there ten minutes before meetings, and I would pop on the film of my freshman year and show all the young guys, and we would all just laugh at how bad I was. And I was like, "Look at this! Look at this! Like, if this guy can end up playing, like, there's no excuse for you. There's absolutely no excuse. Like, it was bad. You'll maybe I'll pull that up one day if I can if I can get some access to that old footage because it's awful. But it's just about how it's just about how you go into the whole deal. You know, you can really change some things. Yeah, and you get five years. 
You know, and Chris, one of the things that you think about is, and I, and again, I'm not going to speak for Bruno, but I thought about uh, initially right away. I was like, well, I'm never going to be as good as these guys. Look how big they are. Look how strong they are. They bench press 425 pounds, and, and you know, and they're they're two inches taller than me and weigh 30 pounds more. I can never be that good. And and the truth is, it's just a matter of getting acclimated into the system. But when you first get there, I mean, that's that's when it's a good sign. If you first get there, and I don't care if it's Vanderbilt or Alabama, if you first get there and you can make an immediate impression on a place like the offensive line. That's a great sign for the future of your, you know, uh, for for your, uh, for for your time there at, at that school of justice, because that's not really the norm. There's so much more to get used to than just learning your playbook. I promise you that. I feel the need to interject something here because we we keep it real at the podcast. Uh, Bruno, our friend, sells himself short at times, and and I like him. I, the thing I like about Bruno, the reason I asked him to be part of this, is is he does keep it real. He he does not sugarcoat or things, but. I got to say, my man, um, Justin Angel, who's worked for us off and on, is back with us and has been an offensive line coach and played offensive line in college. Uh, called you out, I think, as a sophomore, said this kid's going to be a stud. So whatever your struggles were as a freshman, I don't think it took you very long to uh, rectify those. Oh, no, but it's just one of those things where, like, the older, like, when I was a freshman and a true freshman, the older guys would poke fun at me at film sometimes because it was funny. Like, I was just making dumb mistakes. I had, I had only a few years of football. I mean, like, it would be a play action pass, and I would, you would see me run down the field like it was inside or it was outside zone. It was just little things like that. But I, I always had a decent attitude, so I never got discouraged. And it was, the guys were just poking fun at me. It's just a rite of passage. So I just always kept a good frame of mind about it. And then eventually, you know, you wake up one day and you're like, sheesh, I've got, I've like picked up on the stuff pretty well. So that's just kind of how it happened. And you probably saw, if you ever saw me at practice, I was just always trying to have a good time and get better. So I guess most people probably see that and just be like, this is going to eventually work out. That's why I try to, I try to tell these young guys when I talk to them, I'm just like, man, you have to find a way to have fun with this stuff. If you do that, everything else will take care of itself. You have to find a way. Cause at some point to these guys, I mean, it does get a little overwhelming. It starts to feel like a job it starts to feel like a lot of pressure like you cannot fall into that trap you got to find a way to have fun with it even if it's not fun you got to find a way to do it so was there a day that it just clicked for you or was it a gradual thing what was that transformation like coming from the the guy that you know like you said people made fun of on film to being a guy that ended up starting for three four years when did that when did that switch over happen where you you flipped the switch uh, there are just specific moments where it starts like your confidence starts to pick up like my freshman like I started going into my retro freshman year and they're getting murmurs that you know coach Ludwig is like Bruno coach Ludwig was telling people he never told me to my face but like my teammates would come back to me he's like they're like dude coach Ludwig wants you to play a lot this year and I was like oh that's cool like but if they're not telling me you know how serious is that and then eventually you know you get put into one game and then all it took was one bad game for whoever was in front of me to be playing and then they threw me in there and then i and then my like four reps I got by at the end of the game, they were really good. And then coach coach starts going over the film and he's like, look at how the way Bruno does it. Like he does a perfect technique. He does it perfect the way, perfectly the way I, I coach it. And I'm just like, dang man, like, I guess there really is a shot for me to play because my goal the whole time was if I could get one or two years starting like at the sec level and contribute to this team, that'd be huge. But eventually it just all catches. If you just put your head down and work, it just all kind of catches up to you. And then you get one opportunity and if you don't fumble it, you get more. And if you don't fumble those, you get more and more. And then eventually, you know, it just kind of turned into starting for forever. And then you kind of get used to it. You just get used to being at that level. Uh, Bruno, I want to ask you, what's different in terms of approach, organization, all those things? And again, this is going to be the most discussed 15 minutes of spring practice in the history of Vanderbilt football. Um, and, and we're going to overdo it, but that's all we got right now. But what did you notice in terms of approach and things that stood out to you in terms of how the staff approaches its job and, and how practices are organized? I will say this, and this is something that I could like, it, it, maybe it came off to me because it was such a clear difference, but there was like when they were, cause I was only there for the warmups too, right? That was part of like my five minutes was the warmup. But at the same time, their warmup had a lot of energy to it, Chris. I mean, if I, and if I'm saying it, like I'm, I'm trying to stress it, because whenever I was warming up, I was like, dang, man, we're going into another day. You know, this is like a two-hour grind. Let's get into it. And a lot of dudes would mope. And I have clear memories of, like, remembering Coach, like, getting getting pissed off at us because, you know, we it didn't look like we were ready to practice for the day. I mean, that was not a problem with these guys. 
I don't, whether it was forced or whatever they or whether they were faking it till they make make it they created the energy and as that 15 minutes of practice went along i mean the the pace really didn't stop and if it and if it even started to slow up you know they they paid for it i saw like all 20 of those offensive linemen start doing up downs and if that were me we're not doing that again after that you know what i'm saying so we're going to keep the pace up then that's that's just the kind of vibe that i got did you guys, either of you, and I'm guessing the answer is no because it just came out a couple hours ago and you both had stuff to do today. Did you, either of you listen to Clark Lee's press conference today and his remarks? And I say today, we're doing this I, on Thursday. I, I, yeah, I, I have not been able to. I've been in between uh, clients and shows, so no, I have not seen it. I didn't because the kind of the press conferences haven't been too in depth in the past in the past few days. So I was just kind of I just kind of lulled over this one. But is, was there something interesting? Well, no and yes. Okay, okay. no, he's he's not, and this isn't critical, right? Like I'm I'm always the guy asking them questions because you know what our audience is. They want to know, and I told you this, and I think you you believe me now, Bruno. People want to know like what the third string quarterback is doing. There's no detail oh, yeah. that's insignificant to fans. Absolutely, and Clark just doesn't give you much, and. and Look, I'm not I'm not criticizing for that at all, because um, I think I understand why. I mean, he is he is very focused on processes and things like that. Like I asked him a question, just a throwaway question to see what he would give me. Not a throwaway question, but just fishing for anything, right? Because again, people want details, and it's my job to get it. And he didn't give me much uh, when I asked him, but but yet he did. And the question I asked him was. Basically, I know that you're trying not to judge too much on last year, but I'm sure you've seen film, and, and with that, what is surprising you? And he he gave me, I thought, one of the most informative non-answers ever. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to remember how he phrased it, but he, he went into this long, detailed explanation of not bringing stuff with you to practice and he even said something about, like, we don't want to, as coaches, communicate anything to our kids. Like, you know, it almost sounded like if you if you have an argument with somebody or you're getting a foul mood in the parking lot because you got a parking ticket or something. I'm, I'm using just things I'm making up here. That you've got to be yeah. careful not to bring that to practice and have it rub off in your kids and how you interact with them. You have to hear the whole answer itself because it's not something – that you can just condense to a sound bite, but I felt like for not answering my question in any way, shape, or form, which again, I don't blame him. I understand what he's trying to do. It was like one of the most helpful non-answers I've ever gotten because it gave me a lot of insight into his thought process um, and, and the care they are going to to try to put the kids on that team in the right mindset. Again, I can't do it justice. It's on our YouTube channel at Vandy Sports on YouTube. You can watch it. It's actually on our site, too. You can watch the video for free from the front page. But I would be interested for you guys to watch that and just get your reactions once you hear his answer because the way that he walked through it was kind of fascinating to me. I mean, it sounds like it's just kind of a leave your baggage at the door type deal. And maybe for these kids, that's a huge thing, too, because coaching in the and that was a way we were kind of coached, Chris, at least to speak to like our Mason time there was, you know, they treated us like men in the sense that like we dealt with a lot of our own stuff. And if you could sink or swim, that was, you know, that was huge. But I mean, these are 18 year old people. And I think we know now that at least in our day and age, 18 years old is not it's not old at all. You know, you haven't paid bills yet. You know, you don't understand responsibility to the fullest. And sometimes these kids just need, just need help. And on a coaching standpoint, you can't bring any of that in, you know, practice is supposed to be the escape and you want practice to be the escape from school. You want practice to be the escape from any, I mean, I had $2,000 of parking tickets. And I didn't want to think about them at all when I was at practice, right? That's supposed to be your escape type deal. So focus on the ball and Clark Lee seems to be running really good. I mean, I've, I've talked to a few of the players and they, and they love what's going on there. They said it's night and day difference, you know, all around from a program standpoint point so you had how much in parking tickets (laughs) out about like what and you you want to know the best part is in five years that is way less than the parking passes would have cost i tried to explain that to my mom and dad all the time i was oh man 
I was like, guys, listen, this is by far the cheapest way to like get away with parking at this school. <laughs> but <laughs> that's anyways. terrific. That yeah, really is terrific. It, it's a loophole. It's a loophole. You can ask anybody that went there. We're, we or the whole game plan was never to buy a parking pass. You just got to take the metro tickets. That's all you got to do, and and you'll 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 save a lot of money doing that. Did you just pay them by mail? Yeah. There are, you can. There's a little online deal. Like you just get the ticket, boom, you go online. That's usually where a lot of my stipends went. That was like you know the cost of attendance stuff. I would just be like, okay, this is gonna cover my parking for like a year. Now I get it, cause like I was like, how that that doesn't square with what I know of you, like a guy that gets two thousand dollars in parking tickets. But then it's what you tell me, what you tell me, <laughs> it it does. That's great. Oh, I was talking to, I was talking to, when I went to the practice, you know, the guy who was leading me around, he was talking, he was complaining about parking. And like, I was like, man, like, if you're going to be here for the long haul, you might want to invest in uh, getting parking tickets. Like, <laughs> you know, I was, I was telling him the whole strategy and that's, that's, that's something our teams did. It was, it's kind of a little inside deal. So that's, that's how the Vanderbilt football team operated in terms of parking. Now, now do players at other schools have better parking situations than that? Uh, yeah, mainly because they're, they're in college towns, so they get better, they get better access to like parking and stuff like that. And it wasn't that big of a deal at Vanderbilt, Chris, I'm sure you heard of the moped, the moped yeah. like, culture here at Vanderbilt. They kind of cracked down on that my junior or senior year. They started like giving school tickets for the mopeds if you didn't get the parking pass too. So that's when my junior or senior, that's when everybody was just went to pure like criminality, I guess, in terms of parking. <laughs> okay, I've got I've got a story about mopeds and offensive linemen at Vandy. My co-host when I did radio uh, was a witness to when I think it was Cole Harden got hit on a moped in your campus. Like we had a story, we had a breaking story on that and everything, all because yeah. my radio producer happened to witness it. I'm sure they were wondering how in the world did he get this. But do you remember yeah, he that? Got hit, yeah, he got hit by another teammate right outside of the right. Oh end. no, I'd forgotten yeah. that. Yeah, he got hit. Oh, by that's right. I won't release the name of the teammate, but one of the teammates, like Cole had the total right away, and I guess our teammate just kept driving. So Cole went through the windshield. I was at my, I was, I was housemates with Cole. We lived on a house on right about five minutes from campus. And um, I got a text that said, Cole got in a moped accident. And I texted him. I was like, LOL, are you dead? Just joking around. And then I saw, but he never texted back. And at my internship, I looked at Twitter and I probably, I might've saw your report. And the picture, I said, oh, my God. Like, so I left the internship, you know, and I remember Coach was with Cole. And he ended up being fine. That wasn't Cole's first accident. Cole has all these stories. I think Cole had three accidents on the mopeds. I never got one, Chris. I was scared to death of these mopeds. I could not do it. Cole got hit at 4 in the morning outside by a lady that brake checked him right outside Magugan. He got he just hit a pothole on the way back to the house one day and did a flip. I mean, those things are death traps. So I, I'm glad that that, that, that Cole you're starting to fade away one time jay cutler like walked by cole <laughs> at, at, on campus he was like Do those things have a weight limit just totally just like trash talking <laughs> and he was, oh. cole was just like nah man you're good on these oh that's those great mopeds yeah, those mopeds are like a huge vandy thing that was a part of vandy culture while i was there i can't remember who hit him and we're not going to say it but I, I remember thinking like when when whoever it was hit him, I remember who it was. I remember thinking, like, if I had a list of five guys who would have done that, this guy would have been on that list. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I don't. I, from what I remember, I don't think he lasted much longer there. Um, One of y'all have to text me who it is because that just sucks, man. I don't know, remember. I, I, I don't remember. I know Bruno does, but yeah, I'll t I'll text you guys here right now. And it's you could. I'm sure you can go find out who it was like online, but it's just out of respect. <laughs> I think we left that out of the story for the sake of the of the player, yeah. but I think that there was some, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I can't believe. Hey, real quick, I have to throw this out there because I was doing the math on listen. So listen to this: I was doing the math on let's just say this the scholarship players for Vanderbilt over the course of a four year period, right? If they just took the two the the as you said the more convenient way, just the two thousand dollars annually on the on the tickets. That would oh, it, break it's up not a, the bill of six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. It's not a year. That was that was my whole time at Vanderbilt. The two thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, I counted okay. it up after my whole time because the parking pass started, I believe, at like six hundred or so a semester at my when I got there, and so I immediately was like, I'm not paying this. 
and uh, yeah. freshmen weren't allowed to quote unquote have cars anyways, so that's why a lot of people went the moped route. But by the end of it, by I counted way, it all uh, all up, and that was that was what it was. Uh, by the way, I just got the name. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it too. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy. Name. The, the stories I think you could tell probably, but, um, that's great. That's, um, that's why we have you on. We never know where this is going to go. Right. With both of you, but, yeah. um, yeah, back, back to practice uh, again, trying to, to make whatever we can out of it. What else stands out? Yeah. So let me go over my little, my little deal. Um, so we talked about, we talked about some numbers with the, o, with the O line, how they looking good, but our numbers with the wide. I mean, it's not a good, it's not a good look when you're the running back room has the same amount of quarterbacks, right? That's not a good look either. Cause running backs a lot more demanding position. You're going to at least want two to three guys ready to play. So when you have four on your roster, um, that's not a good. Look. Obviously losing Kenyon Henry books was huge. Uh, they still have, they have big names at the wide receiver position in terms of Chris Pierce. They have Cam Johnson, who I believe was in a red jersey but I couldn't tell because of the lack of numbers and I just didn't get to the bottom of that yet but it looked like Cam out there probably just a precaution deal they probably just didn't want him getting hit on the defensive side of the ball from D linemen outside linebackers I mean Chris we were hearing out of the end of last season that they might have had three guys who were able to play at that position you know it looked like they're running around with 11 or 12 out there at the moment that were uninjured so that was a better sign um some good size, some good length. Nothing out of the ordinary over there. And from the top, I believe that's that's what I basically got from uh from this practice. I also yeah, did see Cole Clements and Bryce Bailey back, and those were those are two big names we're gonna see on the offensive side of the ball. Stewart also, I would presume. Uh, I just didn't I just didn't notice him out there, but I gotcha. think I I do I do believe I, I saw him out because there were twenty of them, so I was trying to pick out like who was who. I think we really got to find somebody as from a, I guess from a pass catching standpoint, a past Ben Bresnahan uh, at the position. Is anybody that you saw that maybe younger guy or somebody that's been there for a minute that's starting to flash a little bit, pick it up? Because they're going to need Ben's fantastic. I think he's going to have a really good season. I just think that we need to have a little insurance there. And you're right. We do. I mean, Ben's, Ben's going to, it's going to be interesting. I want to see what they do at this scrimmage um, because Ben has to be out. Ben has to be out wide, right? Because he's too much of a he's too much of a pass threat. Like he's going to need to be out there. But when I was there, he was mainly doing his pass blocking drills, which is not to say anything. This is all super early into camp, and they're probably just installing base stuff, right? So as far as any of those guys getting reps on the edge, I mean, the only people who were running, they, so they ran a fastball period, which is where they lined up three teams, right? So they had three different offensive linemen, but the wide receivers were just rotating in because they only had six of them. And Ben didn't even spread out for that at all. Ben was just on the tight end position. I believe the only route he ran was when he was in the, in the tight end attached to the line, and then they had a play action. He just went up the middle, right? So they haven't flashed anybody there yet that they're going to go on the, they're going to, you know, play that maybe smaller slot position. I think that's something we'll have an answer for on Saturday. You know, another name that I saw on the, again, I love, you know, Barton and what he's doing, what he, you know, on the Instagram work and whatnot. Uh, one guy that they were kind of talking about the other day who looks not, all, I mean, is already a physical specimen, but looks like maybe ready to take that 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 next step is 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 Anfernee. Did he kind of stand out to you physically? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, th when you come in, when you come in with with like the right size and stuff, it's just basically waiting to be seen if you have it or not. Like the and coaches will say all the time, guys, that practice has started and no one has a position. I remember there's this there's this famous clip in, that lives rent hit free in my head where um, what's it called? James Franklin is looking at all of these guys and he's like, Wes Johnson, who has the starting right tackle job? He's like, whoever earns it. It's like BS. You know, Wes Johnson has the has the starting job. I'm expecting the same thing where it's like in the head, they're having these guys compete, but they're going to want these. They have certain guys in their head that want to play early and right off the bat or want to be involved in the system. And that's going to be one of them for sure. Answer something for me. How have the linebackers been that bad the last two or three years? I mean, it has been bad, Chris, and I really don't have an answer like off the top because I, I it's something I'm trying to learn myself. I mean, it says because well, our defense has been bad, and we're like, dang, where's the defense? Because we have guys like Diode Angbo, we have Andre Mintz, who had a lot of success, you know, getting to the quarterback at the end of the season. Um, 
maybe it's just because in the system that Coach Mason had, if you weren't like, let's let's look at when the defense was good and when the defense was bad. What was the X factor, guys? Any anybody have the answer off the top of their head? Uh, I believe his last name was Cunningham. <laughs> Perfect. You yeah. hit the nail on the head. In the three four system, yeah, in the three four system, and even when they switched to the four three, they kind of played it like a modified three four with outside guys that were skinny. Basically, what it does is the front guys eat up the blocks. That's their job, so that those interior guys can cover coast to coast and make the majority of plays. And that's Zach fit that prototype perfectly. He had just enough power with his frame to absolutely knock people out down the middle but he was also lean and quick enough to get to the edge to edge i mean that's exactly why we won that georgia game in 2016 right like he just sprinted off to the edge and i think the second you lose that and you have to fit in a guy who doesn't check all the boxes like we've had some stout linebackers in there who probably could stuff the run but then you see them get beat over the top by a tight end from missouri three times in a row and you just want to punch your computer right that's kind of the deal we've been that's kind of what we've been missing i think and then it also gets the defensive backs exposed when they because they they go into these positions when they're in coverage and maybe there's a miscommunication i mean linebackers were asked to do a lot in that position and i think going that's why you see most colleges do the four three system because it's much less complicated but when the three four works it works i mean zach was there the that defense was the reason we won a lot of those games in 2016. I think we were just missing a big player like that. Why can't they ever get mm-hmm. Alston Orgy on the field? Because physically he always looked the part. I mean, I, I saw a little bit of practices. but I mean, it's one thing if the guy goes out and plays like a dog and gets beat out by somebody else, but they didn't have a lot else, and it's not like they ever gave him an extended look. I mean, was that just a personality conflict between him and a, and a coach, or what was going on there? And here, here's what I'll say about that is that person, no matter how much a coach and player might hate each other, 99% of them will never let that get in the way of the best player playing 100%. Like, I mean, in the XFL, heck, I, me and my O-line coach, we might as well have hated each other, but we had a respect for each other at work. And when it came down to it, he was going to put me out there and I was going to do the best and we were going to work together on the field. We had, we just had conflicting personalities. I don't think that's ever going to get in the way of the coach. I think there were issues last season. What I was hearing was that, was that people were improvising from the playbook, which is a huge no, no. Right. And um, whether that, and I didn't hear that specifically of orgy, but I heard it of other linebackers. And what I'm believing is maybe that they just got in their own mindset of, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. And that might've trickled down, trickled to everybody. And they were just looking for somebody who would, you know, do what was coached the way it was, but that's off speculation. Cause I haven't specifically asked anybody, Hey, why isn't this guy playing? And I've gotten a direct answer. That's just my, cause it, what, what else could it be at that point, Chris, you know? I think there would be prison league teams with less dysfunction than they had a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Mean machine. Hey, um, have you had the chance to lay eyes on Raymond Davis yet? No, I have not. I was I was so lit, not focused on that at all when I was there because, I mean, I didn't even get to pull my laptop out in the time I was there. He's going to have to play a huge role now for sure. Yeah. Gonna have to. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. Like these guys aren't gonna have choices. You're gonna either be a player or you're gonna get embarrassed out there. You know, that's that's 100% the deal. They're, these guys are preparing to play. It's not like they're competing for spots right now. I mean, you're you are the guy. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile, Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere, Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. 
Say good things about my man, Marlowe, because I've been talking him up for three years now, and he owes me one at this point. <laughs> you have been talking him up, Chris, and when I was there, I got to saw Marlowe firsthand when he was at when he was his youngest, right? And he was a guy that always flashed. I mean, we were in a meeting rooms, and my coach would be like, hey, this Marlowe kid's going to be good, right? He just so happened to get caught behind Keyshawn Vaughn, who was also like, you know, one-time vendor, one-time guy to come and maybe 20 years at Vanderbilt, but I think Marlowe could 100%. He had, he had, he had an injury problem, didn't he? I think he got severely injured. Yeah. I, I, my theory yeah. without a better explanation is that he just hasn't been the same since he's hurt. Cause I, when I watch him, I don't see the kid that I saw as a freshman. I don't see the burst or the wiggle or whatever it was just that elusive quality. I don't think that is, is I, I don't think it's there. Like I remember seeing it when you were on campus. Yeah, but when but when he was there, man, he was he I was like, this guy's gonna play one day and he's gonna be a great, great contributor to the team. Heck, he was doing it when I was there. Like he was contributing. So so and it's possible to get back to that. You never know what guys are fighting. Maybe that maybe they're trying to get back too early. Maybe they're, you know, trying to force something and maybe the injury never truly went away, but um that's something we'll be able to see, you know, coming up, what role he's going to play. Does he look like the Marlowe role? Because I, I don't blame you for talking him up. We all were doing it, too. Maybe he got buried under a mountain of parking tickets. Uh, maybe. I, I don't think so, though. That usually doesn't phase Vanderbilt, man. <laughs> that's, that's just crazy. Like, it, it just amazes me how when I talk to you, and not just on the podcast, but like when we talk off podcasts on the phone, you just casually mention some little thing. I'm like, wait, what? You guys <laughs> you guys had to go through this? And you take it like it's like, like it was nothing, but I guess that's just the mentality you have to have there. Uh, you just have to – it's the perfect place to learn how to adapt. I'll say that like you either adapt or you die to it. Right. Like when I saw that parking passes cost, like they, they actually, they, every year they upped the price. I think it ended up getting up to seven fifty or eight a semester. And I was like, there is no way I'm doing it. So I'm just going to do it this way. It's not like I'm a criminal. I'm just going to pay my tickets on time. You know what I'm saying? Like I lived in the towers, Carmichael towers, which are four big red towers that just got knocked down. I lived there for my last two years. And, um, there was parking right outside the towers and it was like, you're not allowed to park in this time or whatever. But I counted it up for each day I was there on campus and sure enough, parking there parking right outside of that tower on West end every single day was a lot, was just cheaper than taking the parking tickets. And it's funny because David Williams was the guy that actually gave me the idea before anybody else did. He would tell me about how, listen guys, there's, you're going to meet people on campus who don't live normal. They they're detached from reality, like rich kids that don't want to live on commons their freshman year. So they live in the hotels. Like you're going to see stuff like that all the time. And I was like, dang, if they could just do whatever they want, I'm just going to do whatever I want with parking. Wait, they, they live where? They would live in like those hotels around the city instead oh. of on campus. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, he was like, "You're gonna, you're gonna meet some people that are just detached from reality, so you got to prepare yourself from that." Because he's talking to, he's talking to not necessarily me, but a lot of people who would never like, who just wouldn't get the opportunity at a place like Vanderbilt. Where it's a extremely privileged place to be, right? So when when it comes privilege, there comes like sometimes delusions of what normal reality is for the average person. Wow. Seabass, uh, your turn before I get into the mailbag. Hey, thanks, man. A couple things. Uh, one, uh, Bruno, what are because it, it, it's also good to see some of the uh, the former players coming in, being engaged, wanting to be there. Uh, you know, welcomed there. What, what what are some of the things that they're saying about what they've seen so far? Yeah, you talk. talking about? Are you talking because I I actually saw Ryan. Ryan's a good friend of mine. Ryan Seymour. Um, I was sitting down in the lobby waiting for them to come get me. And sure enough, oh, the door op swings open and it's just Ryan. And we didn't even let each other know we were coming to practice. We just so happened to see each other. So Ryan Seymour was offensive lineman before I got there. He played five years and then he played a bunch. He played a few years in the league. I think four or five with Giants, Browns. You know, he was there at that joint. So this guy was a pretty successful Vanderbilt offensive lineman. He's always been a good mentor to me. And he and I guess it's I guess it's water under the bridge now, so I can come onto the podcast. He so badly wanted to, you know, oh, and that's most of the guys. He wanted to be around the program, and he was he was probably the most open guy in criticizing because he wanted to be around the program. He wanted to come in and he wanted to help, and he wanted he just wanted to be involved, you know, not even as like a coach or anything. He just wanted to be welcomed as an alumni, as a as as he should be a respected alumni. But some things happened with Mason where he would he would like post pictures of him and texting his old coaches, you know, or texting somebody like Franklin. And it was like, hey Franklin, you know, I hope you have good holidays. And then he texts he texts Mason and you know, people are busy. It's that's not a big deal. But 
uh, he felt alienated by the old staff kind of. So the fact that they, he messaged the line coach gave his whole deal and then they invited him and he was out on the field, you know, the whole practice. I think that was a good look from the alumni standpoint. Like these are guys that want, there's a huge market of people that want to be Vanderbilt fans want to be involved in Vanderbilt in any way from an alumni standpoint, want to be supportive. There's no, just no reason to alienate these people out just because you're a private university and you can, right? Like that's just not the way. And oh, I think, the, I, yeah. think this, I, I think this staff is, is knows that. That, that is an enormous bone of contention with former players. Uh, and, and not just your age range, but, but older too. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people just felt like, you know, excluded and it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't, it, I don't even know why it has to be that way, like even remotely, but it, but a lot of people felt it was that way. And when you have that, mm. I mean, when you're Vanderbilt and you're 0 and 10, you need all the support you can get. Right. So why would you even, <laughs> close, why yeah. would you even close off those, uh, those bridges? Well, I guess the last one that I had, uh, Bruno in regards to that was, uh, how big of an how important is it uh, for 2021 for this offense, this team period that Chris Pierce decided to come back for one last season? Oh my God. I mean, it's huge from a leadership standpoint, more than all. I mean, a guy and the guy was when I was there with Chris, I mean, he was still trying to find his way. Right. I don't think, I think a lot of people were like, you know, what's Chris, you know, what's up with this? What's the deal with this guy? And then he just comes out the end of last season. And he looks like a bona fide NFL receiver. First of all, he's going to, he's going to make those, those scouts come practice. Like those scouts are going to come to practice to watch him and having scouts there is going to motivate everybody to practice harder. Right. So that's going to be a good deal. Um, but just someone who's been through, he's been to the highest that we've been in the past 10 years. Sadly, he's been there for that Texas bowl, which is probably the peak we've had. And he's seen what it took to get there. And he's seen the mistakes we made that could have made that six and six season, a nine win season. Right. He's seen the worst of it. He's seen the Owen 10 season. He's seen, he's been the guy who there was a lot expected of him. Maybe he didn't perform. Then he's been the guy who maybe a lot of people wrote him off and then he just blew up. And now he might end up making a buttload of money. He is the guy with the experience to guide this team and having him come back for an extra year. Not only do I think it's a good idea for him, for his NFL prospects, I think it's a good, just a great thing for the team. Obviously, you know, it can't be bad to have him back. You guys ready for the mailbag? Let's do it. All right, the mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshmintonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jvmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm going to send this one to you, Seabass. This is from Mr. Vandy. Your thoughts on the first couple of commitments. Actually, of course, the Commodore's got three on Monday, so I'll let you opine there. Uh, sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, the, on the first one, uh, of course, three and just a few hours after waiting for that first one. I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, I've, I've had my eye on Langston Patterson for over a year, but I mean, come on, Chris. There's no way you ever, your mind could have ever conceived when you look at the offer sheet. You look at the fact that that uh, that his brother was at Clemson. Uh, you know, Notre Dame had offered big names everywhere. We're all 0 and 10 season. There's nothing about any of this that made you ever even have that a guy like that, you know, uh, you know what's he about 6'2, 210, moves laterally unbelievably, arrives with a lot of pain. Uh, I never conceived of him being in a Commodore uniform. And let's not kid ourselves, this is about Clark Lee. You know, and uh, what what a get that was! What, what a get a get that was! I mean, that that should not have been our first commit, and it was. Uh, and I, I'm, you'll have to forgive me. Is it Diakite? That's how you say the young man's name out of Shades Valley. I I think it's Diakate. That's how I would pronounce it. Just okay. looking at it, but yeah. Well, you know, as you've read, he blew up over the weekend on that camp, you know, and really played well and showed versatility. I think he played the tight end position. 
at, 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 during that camp, but uh, they like him on the other side of the ball, maybe to get pressure on the quarterback. Long, uh, you know, pretty aggressive kid. I watched him on film. Uh, he, he really stuck out to me, and it sounds like his best football uh, is going to be this year, you know, that he's really, that he's really starting to uh, catch the eyes of people. I would not be surprised uh, if, if, if more offers are on the way. He did say, I believe I read that he was uh, possibly going to take other visits. So there may still be work to do uh, for Coach Lee and whatnot. But uh, and and then the young man, you know, the other kid, the Linus, uh, what is it, Zunk, I think it is. Yeah. Um, And man, I got to tell you something, man. For a guy who's just now really starting to play this game. Have y'all noticed how brutal he is? Uh, I, I mean, look, it's it's one thing to learn the game and to have the proper technique and everything, but this guy finishes like somebody who's trying to take down a bull, you know, <laughs> you know, when they wrap their feet or, you know, with a calf rope or whatever it is, he doesn't just tackle you. He's trying to put you through the grass, you know, and this kid's what, six, seven, you know, they say potentially legit six foot seven, uh, you know, he, uh, look, this is, yes, completely raw, just strictly based on on the amount of time he's been playing the game. But we've seen those strictly raw players miss, and we've seen them turn out to be really good football players. And I don't think you're going to have to motivate this guy. He's a super smart kid, big frame, and extremely aggressive. And if you listen to his coach in that, uh, in that piece that I think maybe it was Sean that did that, if I remember, Chris. I think so. Uh, and they were talking about – he was talking about how I mean to think about this, Bruno. How many times you see a six-seven guy be the leader of a weight weight program? Never, you know, never. That's just not generally what they do. And it's, I'm not saying they're lazy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I tell you one thing: if that frame right there could hold, what we look, what y'all think, fellas? Maybe if that frame could hold 260. You know, and and you know, as experience as he gets that experience, and he can hold two sixty. You can have somebody who might be a mess for some people in a couple of years. Oh yeah, I mean, it can make it happen too. I mean, that's what I'm saying. These, these, like, well, how old is this guy? He probably sixteen, seventeen. Like, the, there's still room to grow. So for a frame like that already, they they could easily pop twenty, thirty pounds on. Not maybe not easily thirty, but they could pop fifteen, twenty pounds on this kid within the first year, probably year or two. Those programs are those programs will get you right. Bruno, how significant is it that they got a commitment from a kid, the quality of Patterson that's local? Cause that's gotta be just, listen, I, it's gotta been, be, it's gotta be harder to come here locally than it is from Dallas or somewhere. Right? Yes. And listen, this, that sets the tone for everybody in state. I just want people to know that other commits commits watch or recruits watch where the other guys are committing. Right. They do. They do from the same state. I know because I did it and I talked to all of them and we all we all just kept tabs on each other when we were in high school. Right. So for a guy that highly like recruited to come out and already commit off the spot saying I'm going to Vanderbilt, it's going to make some of these guys question like, oh, what are these guys got going on there? Because most of these guys have probably already visited Vanderbilt and they're like, it's definitely not the facilities or something like that. They you know, they'll. The, there's they're gonna want it's gonna bring interest to Vanderbilt from the outside and obviously the kid's just a stud player right the total stud player could could contribute very early to Vanderbilt so that's that's just I mean it's right in the heart of downtown that's CPA right so he, they're gonna they're gonna they're trying to get their footprint here wasn't Clark Lee uh was he an NBA guy yeah yeah he yeah. was and so yeah. was Barton Simmons yes uh, okay I didn't even know that about Bart that's cool to know yeah, and I don't think Vanderbilt had much of a presence at NBA under Derek Mason. Yeah, which is which is a tough a tough thing because I mean that's such a it's it's turning into a really really like pipeline city with with these private schools around here. It really oh, is. Oh yeah, I mean CPA has got you know athletes in in three major sports that are power five kids. You got NBA seems to send one or two kids to top level division one every every year or so i mean that just i never understood why they didn't take bigger advantage of that and think about this it's not not only look uh, not only is the is the talent there in the private school sector uh, of six of the 615 and it is um you also have to remember something i mean and i don't think that's going to change anytime soon look you've got off the top of my head at least three 
former NFL co- NFL quarterbacks who are head coaches in private schools in Davidson County. At least three. I may be missing somebody, you know. And yeah. la- and last year, two of them played each other for a state title, you know. And, and then the, and then and then the other one, if you remember, was Jonathan Quinn. He won a state title for the second year in a row. And, I, I, man, I'm telling you right now, there is an opportunity. And to have guys like Clark and Barton in there right now uh, with some of the prospects, because NBA, NBA's got a couple really good linemen, got a good young quarterback. They have some really good young players. Uh, but even to look at it, look at the level that's been raised. You're starting to see John Paul II get a little bit better again. They got a kid, I think the running back was headed to, what, Indiana or something like that. Uh, you've got, uh, and look at David Lipscomb. David Lipscomb couldn't get out of their own way a couple years ago. And now <laughs> They probably, they know, probably they should have won the state title game. They beat CPA in the regular season and then lost to them. What was it, twenty-eight to seven in the fourth quarter? They were leading uh, and, and and lost that game. All you got a couple programs out there that were just kind of fledgling, and now all of a sudden uh, they're taking it to that other level, and that's only going to attract better players. You know, they're going to be coached a little bit better uh, with that experience. I mean, if there's ever been a time to pipe into the Nashville private football, you know, the private school football programs it's right now well and let me bring up one other thing look at the public school talent at williamson county i mean at, at brentwood ravenwood uh now you've got some at high school uh franklin put it out some players every now and then i mean you've got a universe of public school talent down here in williamson county that that i think surpasses by a good bit what it did 10 or 20 years ago It's funny because it's funny because this is all contrast to the sound bites that we would see with the last staff. I mean, I I know for a fact the last staff made it a key point to be national, to be national, right? They wanted to be, they wanted, they wanted that, right? But we were neglecting something that was right in front of us too, one hundred percent. I mean, and we got it. We had a few guys from the schools, but. But obviously, you know, there are there were the big time ones that got away from this that that could have probably, you know, been swayed to come to a school like Vanderbilt. Everyone back when Vanderbilt was at that nine win stage with Franklin, I mean, it was popping off in the mid state in terms of what like interest to Vanderbilt. I know I want I was like, I want to be a part of this. There was just so much energy around the program. If they can invest early in these schools and get back to it. I mean, it's you could see a longstanding relationship. Yeah, what was the buzz around Vanderbilt when you were in high school and being recruited? It was the it was the new place to be. It was the it was the place to be. Like if you want to come, you know, truly they they always say, "Oh, come create something, come create something." Well, they were doing it, Vanderbilt. I mean, they you you thought you were going to be a part of the first SEC championship team from Vanderbilt when you when you were in high school, like. Everybody from my place was like huge Tennessee people, right? No one, I didn't know, I didn't know Vanderbilt existed. I don't think my sophomore year, I didn't even know it was a school. But by the by junior year, you know, I visit. I'm like, dang, I want to come here so bad. Like, it it would be a, a coin flip between Tennessee or Vanderbilt. All right, next one. But by, by the way, Seabass, was I off on the public school comment? Oh no. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I don't think so at all, man. I think about the Ravenwoods and all that. No, I think you, you were spot, you were spot on. Well, I mean, it, it seemed like it, but you, you have a better memory of those things than I did. That's why I asked. But I mean, I, I see that the kids that are getting produced right here in, in this county, and it, it's crazy just at the public schools alone. Um, all right, this is shift to basketball. Uh, Ann Arbor wants to know when we might hear something about players leaving men's basketball for the pros. Um, I've heard Pippen is thinking hard about the league uh, and waiting on evaluations. I don't think they're going to get him back. I mean, look, it's it's disappointing if it turns out that way, but I – I don't think there's anybody that's listening to this that's going to listen to this podcast is really surprised by that. And like I've told you over the last couple of podcasts, and I don't know if you and I are on the same place with him and I, or agree with that, but I I I I'm just telling you, I think he has a real opportunity in the league. Getting the way the league is right now, I think it's perfect for him, and I think he is going to not only make a roster, but you're going to hear his name a whole lot uh, two or three nights a week. Yeah, I don't think he's got a whole lot left that he can prove here. 
No, that's what I always say when we. Yeah, you 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 you've been consistent in that for a while. Yes. That's the conversation of okay, who who is this player now versus a year from now? You know mm-hmm. what what can they do? Are you just because it gets to a point, and Bruno, you know what I'm talking about. It gets to a point where I've shown what I am. This is who I am. This is my ceiling, and maybe I haven't, but in some cases, you know, you've already proven, okay, I can do this. So at that point, why not get paid for it? Okay, last question, Vandy Guy 20. Who would you choose to be head coach of your basketball program, Bryce Drew or Jerry Stackhouse? I'll go um I'll go Sebast and Bruno. Uh man, you know, <laughs> I mean, Look, sure. Oh, this is where we, we are. The, well, you know, but hey, look, we can talk about the grand, the, you know, the Grand Canyon antelopes right now, if you'd like to. We 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 can do that, and they covered last week against Iowa, uh, and that's awesome. Uh, it depends on what we're talking about. Are we talking about recruiting? If we're talking about recruiting, I'll take Bryce Drew. Uh, can we just talk about that and nothing else? Well, unfortunately, you have to do both. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a requirement for the job, perhaps. I was so sour at at what happened and the way that Brad, that that Bryce's through the Bryce Drew experience went down because I really believed. I mean, I really honestly believed that when we hired him, we had hired our guy. Basketball, basketball was going to be a priority at that school again. We were going to, it was going to be like some of those magical years that we all grew up on with, with Vanderbilt basketball. And, you know, and look, I, I, the, the, the tough luck, it sucks. I mean, yeah, we, 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 we lost Darius and I, and I get all that. And, 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 and Simi just kind of went in the, it was in the soup after that. And I get all of that, but the way that that ended and it's how, and how just lost that program looked. I'll never forget that. I can't, I'll never be able to get that out of my head. So, you know, I mean, I don't know that there's a right answer. If there is, I guess I'll say Coach Stackhouse, you know, but the proof is in the pudding. We've won six games in conference in three years combined. So, you know, there's no good answer here. Well, t- just two years for Jerry, to be fair. So, um, but anyway, well, I, Bruno? I, I understand that, but I said, Oh, gotcha. I said, yeah, I know what you about, mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love these type of questions. I love them. Just stir the pot. Uh, just force us to say something. I mean, I'll straight up say it too, because I don't really, I don't care too much about basketball. Now that gambling is legal in Tennessee, I mean, might care a little more. But now that with the thing with the thing with it is, do I think it's disappointing the way something some stories have came out this season? Yeah, but from the outside looking in, it is entertaining to hear about. <laughs> I mean, I've Chris, we have had conversations where I'm just like, dang, what is possibly going on in Coach Stackhouse's like just the story after story and what it's there's there's no um there's no off time from Coach Stackhouse. So for a guy who re- went to like two Vanderbilt basketball games this whole time, just give me sto- Coach Stackhouse just for the memes at this point, honestly. They should make it into a reality TV show, honest to God. Oh, my God. Honestly, honestly, there were so many storylines with this basketball team that didn't involve basketball at all. It was criminal. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There, there, was a, there was a comment here. Um, <laughs> oh, well. I, I just, I can't. I, I don't see how this gets better, guys. I mean, he, he's going to have to land a couple of big-time impact transfers and hope they catch some breaks because I just don't – I'm just not seeing a path here. I mean, I'm not telling you for sure Pippen's gone, but nobody I talk to thinks he's coming back. So, you got to – you had to have more pieces anyway. And now you got to replace him too, Losing probably. Him. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I'm just kind of speechless with the whole thing, but. Yeah. I mean, next year will probably just be a year in waiting to, you know, honestly see where the contract stands. It could be one of those type deals. Well, the contract's still going to have three years left on it after next year. And he made it clear yeah, but, he is not uh, just going to walk away from that. Oh, so. yeah. But we'll see what Vanderbilt does. I don't think, obviously, they'll make a decision after this. But if it's another, like, if it turns into a winless season, which some people were thinking this one might have turned into. But, you know, they pulled some out. So, 
Well, I, I, I know what I was going to say. Um, the Drew staff considered that last class with Pippen and DeSue. I don't want to say a throwaway class because that's not fair, but that was like their little in between between what they just gotten and what they were ramping up to get, which they were in great shape. Uh, I think with Keon Johnson and Walker Kessler, I don't know that the staff ever picked up the phone to call either of those kids uh, once once the new staff got here. And look, Keon Johnson comes with some issues. And, and Walker Kessler, I, I don't know. I, I watched him in high school. I had some reservations about him spending all his time behind the three-point line where he could have kind of dominated inside when I saw him play. And, and he's transferring. But the funny thing is, all indications that staff could do some pretty good evaluations of, ta- of talent. Uh, now, I, I've got the same reservations about his coaching of everybody else, but you get enough players, man, you're going to run into a, a good season or two just with the talent they were bringing in. And the fact that they got to Sue and, and Pippen and both of them end up being pretty good players is kind of a footnote to me, Seabass, is, is interesting when you look at it back now going, that was not you know, the level of class that they wanted, but even on what I guess was a, I don't want to call it a miss, right? Because it was that in-between again. But it's interesting to go back and look at it that way now, knowing how DeSue and, and Pippen have turned out, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it does. I guess, look, I think one of the things uh, for from a fan standpoint is we're, we're, we've had trouble We've had trouble with the whole assistant coach thing and the approach to the hiring and and all the, the the pieces that we weren't used to having in different positions there and and who's your lead recruiter and you know who's taking the bull by the horns because look the truth is yes I mean sometimes we act as if the uh, coach stack has hasn't brought anybody into the program and that isn't true that's not true. Um, I, I don't know. It just, I, I guess there is a perception and maybe there's some truth to it and maybe there's not. It just seems like he's not, at least let me say this, uh, the impression given out, I think, is that he is not in that into recruiting or doesn't have to put everything into it. And if you're going up against 13 other teams who are putting everything into it and that's just in your conference, then we're already behind you know, before we even get into, you know, before we even start lifting weights and running and training and ready to play basketball, uh, you know, we're, we would already be in a, in a hard way to go. And I think there's people that think that that's kind of how his approach to recruiting is. And the, and the thing is, if that is the case, well, then this will not ever get better. You can't ever take a season off in recruiting. Never. And they, they did write Never. off. I mean, and, and you do, it's going to have a minimum of two years of consequences, uh, and, and my God, goodness, you do that a couple of times, and and God help you, right? But I, I'm just afraid. This is what I've been afraid of since the beginning. I'm, I'm afraid that they left themselves so much left undone in the first year or two that they got here that it's just going to be impossible for him to recover to. I mean, because let, let's say that he started killing and recruiting right now, right? You either get ones and dones or you're a minimum of two or three years away from winning. By that time, unless something goes really right next year, he's going to be so underwater in losses that nobody's going to have the the tolerance for him to stick around any longer, if that makes sense. It makes sense, and I think that's an accurate analysis of the of the, of the current situation. So, But look, you know, like let, me, said, let me just cut to the yeah. chase here. The, the stuff about him – not putting in the time was not urban legend, right? That that was that was dead on. That that is not just something somebody made up because they don't like Jerry Stackhouse. I mean that that if you have your ear to the ground, that's been all over the place. It's been all over the place close to this program, uh, you know, at other programs in NBA circles. I mean that was that was no secret if you were paying attention. That that was not just something that that people made up because they didn't like Jerry Stackhouse for some reason. Well, then, like you said, one season equates to two two lost seasons. One 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 cycle equates to two lost seasons. So you do the math if the, if, if that's accurate. Yeah. Well, here we are. But um, guys, here closing thoughts. I know, Seabass, you got to run. Bruno, you you've got other stuff to do with your life as well. 
Um, Bruno, I'll let you close, and then Seabass, I'll go to you if you guys have any parting thoughts. Yeah, it's Thursday. I already posted on the board. I'm not sure when this will be up, but um, you know, I'm looking forward to Saturday with the scrimmage when I have the write up, obviously, at the end of it. And that's what we'll see. Mo- that's they're going to be the first real like inside look where it's not speculation about the whole Clarky Lee era. You know, we can we can all talk about what we've seen without pads and our first day of pads where they maybe ran like you know six plays in a team. We're going to see what this team is starting to be made of coming up this Saturday. So. I'll get that to you guys and look forward to it. Seabash, your turn. I guess, yeah, I'll, I'll make this very quick. Just let everybody know. Uh, I just found out that there is a Peppa Pig marathon coming on this weekend, and so my plans are made. And my nephew will love that. So will my brother. <laughs> uh, man, I can sit there and watch Peppa Pig all day long. Oh, my, my brother just – thinks it's hysterical he's he's a grown adult and he just snickers every time he watches it something about that show like if that's your thing it's it's funny it, yeah, it is pretty funny good. actually yeah i put it up there with gone with the wind man it's like an absolute must all right with that we will close the show uh, i'm chris lee the host of the vanity sports podcast we appreciate you listening Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a nice rating if you don't mind. And check out the website, vandysports.com. Subscribe to that if you don't mind. That helps us out a little bit. But anyway, this should be the last episode of the week. For Bruno Reagan and Seabass, I'm Chris Lee, the host. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you again next week.